Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Hello and welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. You are here for episode 17. Tuned in to Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows. And Skip Parker. Here in the studio again. Good, good. All right. Tonight we have a bunch of little news updates. Then we are going to dive in and chat about our new competition. Uh, A little thank you to our audience. We chat about our upcoming international show. Uh, We'll dive in on a little bit of uh, phone news uh, and some browser news, a bunch of other bits and pieces. We look at a... uh, we have a little bit of a chat about some hot new uh, handsets coming through, uh, and that will sort of pretty much uh, wrap up the show. So um, so that's the overview for tonight. Let's kick into it, guys. Uh, little news snippets. What are, the, uh, what are the highlights that we've got for this week? So a big one that sort of came through last week was the Chevron guys. Um, these guys came out when Windows Phone 7 first got released and were able to jailbreak it similar terminology in the iPhone world. Now, Microsoft took a different approach, and they actually um, invited these hackers, let's, I think that's a fair name to call them, jailbreakers, over to the Microsoft campus, and actually worked with them, and actually had a bit of fun, and made some t-shirts saying, we were the first to do it, da-da-da. And in the last week, they've come out, and they've actually endorsed, publicly endorsed the Chevron guys, and allowing them to do it. And the Chevron guys now are going to charge a small fee, and they'll actually unlock your phone for you, all fully endorsed by Microsoft. Very, very different stance from a Microsoft organization. That, that's interesting. So what, what's Apple's be, approach been to those that have uh, you know, jailbreaked or you know, messed around with their devices and so on? We put you in prison. No, they, they don't like it. They've actually <laughs> been not, uh, not the most happy about it. They've, they actually have um, taken down quite a few sites that actually have done it. Um, the people with the um, online website that allows you the jailbreaking, they've tried to close that down, and they've actually put um, cease and assist orders out there for a few places. Right. But they haven't really embraced it like the Android was the first to do it. I mean, they give you the tools to do it. They're fantastic. Microsoft's a very different approach. Apple's been probably more on the other end of the spectrum. Know it's happening, and are always looking for ways to stop it at the moment. Now, that could change with ISO 5. So iOS 5, um, that's pro- I mean, my pick, it's not likely to change any of that. I, I don't think I'm trying to give them uh, some know, credit a- a- here, okay? Apple's stance <laughs> is, is, likely to, is likely to continue. But f- f- you know, for the audience, why would anybody jailbreak their, their phone you know, the iPad, etc. Why? Why are people doing this? What's the What's the allure of it, Skip? It's got to be marketplaces. At the end of the day, it's. I want to be able to get my apps into the space. I want to be able to load up um, Angry Birds, the uh, pirated version, perhaps. Um, you, you just want to be able to have control to be able to do things with your phone. So that maybe you're not not supposed to yeah, do exactly. Like, so one of the big things was initially the iPhone uh, didn't like a lot of VoIP type applications. Hmm. You could jailbreak it and get a VoIP application put on your phone. Now that's sort of become a little bit more relaxed over time, but it is just trying to get those apps that you weren't really sure you couldn't get on the, the normal store. Hmm. So an- another way to also um, think about this is. With the older version of Windows Mobile, so Windows Mobile 6.x, let's mm. talk about that range, sure. there was a lot of custom ROMs. So the ROM is the physical operating system that runs on the phone. Yep. Now, by unlocking the phone, I'm assuming there could be a possibility where there could be custom Windows 7 ROMs come out as well. 
You know, how's Microsoft going to do the yeah, updates I'm not around sure, that? No, I'm not sure about that, but I guess that's something we'll that, find that's out. That's what we need time, to find but, out, right? But the main thing with the unlocking is it allows you to install applications that aren't in the official app stores. You know, Skip says Pressing there's something it. unusual. Yeah, maybe it's less, less than legal too. So, uh, you know, I guess there'll be some people that are a little bit less than happy about that uh, from a security standpoint for the platform. But the fact is that every other platform does that as well. So, yeah. you know, there is an audience that is really keen to have that sort of flexibility. A lot of cases it's just, you know, developers or learner developers that want to have that access because any developer that pays their US $99 is able to unlock their phone and, and a number of others as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, actually, just I realise this is going to be a segue after the first article of the podcast, but did you see Facebook have hired uh, Joe Hotz? Oh yes, they have hired him to work on the Facebook team. So now, this is the guy yeah. that that uh, initially got into jailbreaking the iPhones and then and, moved into and the moved PS3, into the PS3. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. one of Sony's most wanted men. Effectively, he got arrested though, didn't he? He did. Yep, he did get arrested. I'm not yeah. sure what the deal is with that, but well, um, no, he cut that deal with Sony. I recall that's we right, talked about actually, that a few months ago. But yeah. I mean, clearly it hasn't stopped his uh, popularity soaring, and he's now working for Facebook. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure. Do we want a hacker working for? Well, I think the positive sign of that is it's going to, it, you know, potentially brings to Facebook a little bit more smarts around security, and they have had a lot of issues with security. So having having a hacker on their team means, you know, he potentially can look at their security issues and and help them solve those things. I hope that's why they've brought him on board, because Facebook isn't the safest place to put. Uh, you know, anything at the moment. I, I reckon it's actually could be more towards the device side of things, personally. Because, I mean, Facebook uh, security is just, well, that's just a whole kettle of nightmare, really, for the size <laughs> it's of the It's a work in progress, right? It is. It's just they, are doing, they are trying to yeah. get it right. Let's but just I, give I it a credit. I wonder if this, this guy's expertise and skill set is being able to break into stuff at the hardware level. Um, on devices, so I, you know, what I'd imagine he'd probably be working on um, f- Facebook stuff for PlayStation Three, or um, you know, some of these other devices. That's what I'd, I'd pick mm. for that guy. All right, well, we will wait and see. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, so. I'm sure we'll find out, and well, we may or may not find out in time. They may, no, they may never make public what but he then does. All of a sudden, you might find your PlayStation Three just has Facebook. All of a sudden. How did you that think, happen? You think they'll uh, they'll they'll, uh, they'll <laughs> hack the uh, PlayStation uh, without telling behind, Sony behind the scenes and uh, plant their applications in there? Why not? Everyone else's. So Skype Frypad, Paul, you read about this over the weekend, or you had a play, or what's the story? Yeah, so I was I was just reading that it's almost out. Uh, the preview sound as though it's uh, it's good. So it's a step up from the existing Skype that we've had on iPad in the past, which was really just the iPhone application blown up to fill up your screen. And you know it, it supports the camera and 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 so on, so you can do your uh, you know your video chats through it. So yeah, that's it's good. It's good to see Skype uh, moving forward on you know continue to move forward on multiple platforms and taking the iPad a bit more seriously. And hey, it's an important device. That's what I'm using now. Brad's got his one uh, sitting next to him, and, um, and mine's still coming from the Christmas present you promised last year. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so you know it, it is an important platform, and it's good. To to see that you know uh, Skype haven't pulled back from from their work on other platforms yeah. since the uh, acquisition by Microsoft has been announced, so that that's a great thing. It's good. Uh, the next item we had on the news was an update for SkyDrive. That's Microsoft's cloud-based um, 
storage system. Well, yeah, it's been around for it's been around for about almost two years now. Yeah, and it's basically was a storage, but also the the first introduction where they did a bit of beta testing with the um, web apps. So you had Office, Excel, and PowerPoint all embedded into SkyDrive, and they started integrating a few products with Office 210, where you could actually upload and directly save to SkyDrive and bits That's and pieces. Right. Yep. It was clunky, to say the least. Now, the new update brings HTML5, complete richness on an iPad-based device, um, and gives you a real proper, I think, touch user interface um, look and feel and play to it. Um, and it's lightning fast. Yeah, Absolutely I've been having a play fast. around with it. It's really, really nice. It's really nice. It's, I mean, it's good to see Microsoft you know, continuing to you know push forward with with their cloud offerings in the free space because we you know we hear hey there's Office three six five and there are all these businessy things coming, uh, but you know SkyDrive is really cool. You get twenty five gigs worth of free storage. Yeah, you can set up a synchronization of you know sort of core data. They give you five gigs that can be synchronized off your PC or your laptop, etc. Uh, you know. That's that's great, and you know, home environment where you might have some pretty important yep. documents on your computer or photos, but, by the way. Photos. But yeah, but you haven't got around to sort of a good backup regime. Well, you know, installing the um, uh, the live mesh client allows you then to have this information just automatically sync into the cloud, yep. as well as that sync from device to device. That's pretty cool. That is very cool. So the people that want to use it, it's supported on Firefox 4 or greater, Google Chrome, Internet Explorer 9, obviously, Opera and Safari. But one of the cool things is also is that it supports live video tagging inside the browser now. So you, you can have your videos referenced using HTML5 tags, and you get this beautiful, rich you um, video player, if you like, built into SkyDrive, so you can link in from different sources and bits and pieces. So it's worth the play on your iPads or your Mac devices. It's really nice. There's one thing I want to say about these. Uh, but web- it works on any oh, yeah, any device. But I've been on I'll be playing with it on my iPad quite a bit, and it's really yeah. nice. Yep. The photos, views, and so on is really yeah. cool. Sorry, Skip. No, that's all right. I, I'm just thinking that the one thing that was really annoying me at the moment is the number of times I go and do something because I'm using IE9 quite a bit now. Um, and it just applications won't work for IE9. So it only works for Firefox and Safari and Chrome. Right, even even though IE9's, you know, yeah, HTML5 and so compliant and some yeah. sort of stuff. So it just, it's great to see that a product has come out. It's HTML5 based and it works across any HTML5 client. I mean, that's... That's the way it should be. Yep. I just don't understand why we keep getting into these browser wars and, oh, no, I'm not going to write for this browser. It's like- well, even if the app works, so I've got one application that, that you know makes use of HTML5, but it does a check at the beginning, and it checks, oh, you're running Internet Explorer, and it just comes up and says, I refuse to run because you're, you're not running, you know... Um, yeah, Firefox or Chrome, and it, and it just, you know... And it, and it actually would work if that check wasn't in there. Now... Google and FTC, there's a bit of an investigation going on with in the US, uh, the Federal Trade Commission are, um, are investigating Google. Yeah, so Google have publicly announced that the FTC in America, or Federal Trade Commission, will be investigating them. Um, and is Go- it similar to the sort of investigations that Microsoft and oh, others yeah. have had in the past? So- Microsoft and Apple both have had these, and this is one to do around... Um, it's a review of their business, is, is what the, the FTC, and I'm just looking at the, the official FTC update, it says FTC will look to do a review of the Google business and practices to see how their search engine and other activities are working in the United States market. 
So I with, guess that's fairly normal for them to do that. Where a player, you know, someone's got a really dominant position, and when that happens, there are going to be people complaining. And they, I mean, they have to do that sort of due diligence and check up and say, well, are they, you know, uh, you know, making unfair use of their market dominance, or or, or are they, you know, they're playing fair? So I I agree with the concept. I disagree with what you said around the. It's a common practice. This, these ones now are getting rarer and rarer. Back in the late, when Microsoft was doing all the antitrust stuff, I mean, it just you know they had one every week. But there hasn't been a big one like this in a long time. Not one every week, Brad. There was a lot going on back in those <laughs> days. Trust me. Um, but this one, there hasn't been one. There hasn't been a big one where they've re- they review when they're trying to buy things, but they just don't do a review of business practices every every sure. month. Yeah. So this one, this one's a little bit different. Whenever Google's buying, because they buy companies every week they do do a look at it but this one's actually looking at how they're using the search data and the wi-fi data and all the other little ones seem to have rolled up so and i guess that's something people are pretty interested in is you know as companies gain a lot more information about them they want to know that that's being uh, yeah. handled in an appropriate manner right it's there's totally. some pretty you know scary potential issues and uh, yeah, i saw some there were some logs from one of the one of the search uh, providers i think going going back maybe last year and through those logs it's amazing the sort of um, information that people can draw out of it a lot of this came out of um, Microsoft's comment about YouTube as well, wasn't it, where they were saying that yep. um, YouTube was holding back information that it had classified and it was only available for Google.com use. So it was, it was sort of giving a dumbed-down version of YouTube, uh, Google, yeah, YouTube to the other third parties. Mm. Um, and it wasn't, that wasn't just Microsoft, that was all the others. That was yeah. Yahoo and all the yeah, others all as well. Others. So they're sitting there going, well, how come we can't get this metadata that you have, which makes your product so much richer and better out of, a, out of YouTube? And, and I think in a normal sense, that's okay if YouTube was just one of a hundred other providers of online video. But the issue becomes when that becomes the dominant or the, the main player in the space. And is owned by then, Google. Then there, then there has to be a, um, you know, then you have to be balanced and, yep. and fair with then how that operates. Yep. Is, that, is that a fair way to put it? Yep, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, yeah it's, there's a lot of stuff going on now about fairness. Now, world's most ethical companies. Someone's drawn up a, some sort of a, a list on that. Brad, have you been having? Have you had a look at that? Yeah, so I got look. I got sent this actually on Facebook by um, some people over in the UK, and it's done by a company called Ethisphere, and basically this is a media watchdog company that looks around, and they, they are classifications around different areas of the business world. So they have obviously you know everything from aerospace to automotive, but they've actually drawn up the computer software manufacturers. So it's five companies. Now tell us where where does your employer land in this list? <laughs> My employer's in the top five. To My employer's number two actually, which is quite incredible because uh, they weren't in there for the last ten years. I can tell you that. Wow. So look, the, the top five ethical companies that these guys have given is Adobe. Adobe. So yes. this is in the tech space. Is it in the is it in the computer software space? Sorry, right. Adobe. Is yep. Where, this is this is what number? they've. Uh, well, they've actually just given a whole block, so they've okay. given five here. So they've got Adobe, they've got Microsoft, they've got Salesforce.com. Okay, yep, yep. They've got Semantic. Mm, okay. And the last one, Teradata Corporation. So how do they how do they judge this? Because, I mean, yeah, everyone's exactly. going to have a different opinion. Oh, look, yeah. There, there will be a lot of Microsoft haters out there who will be saying, how can Microsoft be in there? Because, you know, 
Da, 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 da. So um, all got, their licensing fees that they charge, how can that be ethical? Um, yeah, how do we pay? <laughs> so I, I, I can give you the methodology because I've actually I actually preempted your question there. So oh, the, look at a this. methodology, a methodology committee of leading attorneys, professors, government officials, and organisation leaders assisted Ethisphere in creating the scoring methodology for the world's most ethical companies awards. They then selected can, um, candidates over the course of an entire year. Companies across the world submitted their applications. And they had over 5,000 applications for different organizations. Oh, sorry, for different categories. And then, the, and then each of those companies was done in an in-depth analyst for looking at social media online and also paper-based um, requirements. And then they did a further requirement, and then they've just announced the winners. So there you go. Oh, very cool. So, and do we know who won it last year? Do we know? No, look, it's sort of just, but yeah, it's just sort of gaining popularity this year. Yeah, look, I, I'll have to have. I'm looking on their website at the moment. I can't see 2010 or previous. They do have a whole lot of graphs. It looks like they started doing this in 2007, so they've been going for a few years. Yeah. Um, but they just don't have the um, last ones ranked at this point in time. Okay. Oh, hold on. I might have just here. She just found the link here. So in that top five, the five, there wasn't Apple, was there? Or no, Google. Or Google. Here we go. I'm just surprised. I have just found last year's. So last year's, interesting, Adobe, Salesforce, Semantic, and Teradata. Right. So that's 2010. And I'll just go back to 2009 here. If the internet works in the studio. Of course it works in the studio. <laughs> I'm not running off my phone. You just have to turn the crank handle. Yeah. Right. If you're not turning it fast enough, then you won't get fast internet, Brad. You know the rules here. <laughs> get the gerbils running. <laughs> um, and I'm just trying to look here very quickly. While you're looking for that, I'm, I'm hoping that um, Ethics Sphere or Ethosphere, Ethosphere actually was in the top 100 most ethical companies. Otherwise, how can you <laughs> take this report seriously? Yeah, look, and I mean, to our listeners, you've got to take I this with a grain of salt. you put yourself in the list, but... Well, uh, yeah. it's, it's kind no, of, it's kind of like, cool. well, you know, we're not the most ethical company in the world, but here's a list of ethical companies. But yeah, it was just inter- it was interesting because there was a few people on Facebook sort of having a, having a bit of fun with me today and poking and sort of like, hey, look at this. And I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. But it was interesting to see that they, they've put it in there. Um, the 2007 one's actually not coming up. So, um, but yeah, I, I would have actually... It's interesting that Google and Apple and some of the other ones, like you know, even HP from a software side, yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not in there, and they're not they're not rich in the hardware. It's just interesting when you look at this type of stuff. I, I do take it with a grain of salt because you don't know how the science has worked in the back end. But. No, yeah, there's, I guess there's a whole raft of things, and I and I think if you're looking at hardware manufacturers, I guess there's the whole ethical question about the manufacturer side of it. Yeah. You know, are you paying the right amount of money? I mean, that's a whole hotbed discussion right there but um, and I guess if you start getting into questionable areas of ethics then you start slipping down the ranks quite rapidly even if you're being quite ethical about it you could actually be perceived to be less ethical because you're in that space yeah and you've got to make sure you're not being sponsored by anyone as well yeah you know interesting now oh sorry I've just found it 2007 Oracle Oh, oh wow. wow! Interesting. Very there interesting. Sorry, just found that one just now. Now, th- there's this um, white space wireless uh, research that's been going on for some time. It happened in the US, and we've we've now seen in the UK uh, a number of vendors, BBC, Microsoft, you know, various other companies in that space are, are trying to use this sort of unused broadcast spectrum hmm. for uh, I guess a, you know they were talking about a, a sort of modified version of Wi-Fi hmm. um, you know a, a type of method of basically what are they calling it super Wi-Fi isn't I, it? I saw the phrase today super Wi-Fi yeah um, yeah so and the, and the advantage is having more uh, spectrum available 
means you can broadcast faster, longer distances. There's all sorts of uh, opportunities there, right? What are, what are your takes on this, Skip? Because you're a bit more uh, technically yeah. inclined on, my on eyes, broadcast and spectrum than, than uh, Brad and I. My eyes rolled at this one. <laughs> oh, really? Just, just a little bit because, um, I mean, the, the, the lower down you go in the spectrum, so we've got this, this frequency spectrum right down to zero hertz, and it goes to the audible spectrum, which we're currently using right now. In I our can podcast. hear you. Yes, that's right. And it goes beyond that into radio, AM, FM, and then beyond into uh, TV, uh, cell towers, uh, then you, your traditional Wi-Fi. Now, what they're talking about is well below TV. So about 300 to 400 megahertz. The general consensus is the lower the frequency you can uh, on radio, you can throw it. It goes quite quite far in distance. The only downside is the lower the frequency, generally you're going to get slower data performance through that space because it's quite a narrower bit of frequency. Um, so for a classic uh, example... So you need that, a bigger block to be able to yeah, transmit you, the same amount of information. Exactly. So what they're talking about in the UK, I think, is 300 to 400 megahertz. Uh, so that gives a 100 megahertz block. Just to put that into perspective, uh, cell, our cell network, our 3G cell network at the moment, sits in a 50 megahertz block, I believe. So 850 to 900 is telecom, 900 to 950 is Vodafone. For example, roughly, yeah, roughly. So, yeah, just <laughs> very just, roughly. Yeah, just sort of throwing it out there. Um, but the thing is that it's just going to be it's going to be slow. It's not going to be super fast Wi-Fi. So when you say slow, are we talking sixteen megabit, hundred megabit? What are we talking slow? Because they were talking about some better speeds. But I guess one of the main advantages was that it will. It, it gets through walls and so on a bit better, right? Yeah, I can't see it as being a two-way thing. This is the way I look at it. I can see it as being a transmission type thing where um, broadcasters will use this to transmit data to your TV set station box, for example. Uh, I just can't see this as being a two-way data thing at this stage. Okay. Well, that'll, um, that'll be interesting to see. I guess you potentially could have, and this isn't quite the same, but it's along the same lines, uh, a radio station that you wouldn't actually tune into and listen to, but that, say, your GPS in your car would tune into and get the traffic updates. Yeah, uh, it's great for that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's generic information data polling that's heading out across the waves. I mean, I could be, uh, the thing is that when you look at this stuff, there's some theoretical maximums, right, about how you can do stuff in certain frequencies. What, what we're starting to see is with the guys from... Um, NTT Tacoma and uh, Huawei and stuff like that, they're working on this new LTE. This is the 4G, the real 4G network, not the stuff that the States is trying to play with. This is the real LTE 4G network. And they're saying, look, we can actually make better use of what we're doing right now. We can actually make improvements just by doing tweaks. So they're saying, um, theoretical limits? Nah, rubbish. We can do much better than that. So the reality is that they might be able to actually put today's broadband wireless speeds into that uh, frequency range um, which would be useful for sort of low use data applications so uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens I okay well, well we'll look out for a bit more news coming coming down on that now I, the question I, I that think one of the questions that came through via our Facebook page is how relevant is that to New Zealand <laughs> I mean my take on on that from the bits and pieces I've been, I've been reading is that the spectrum that's available will vary from country to country and mm-hmm. the size of the blocks and so on. So the the research is, is well worthwhile, but it would probably be some time before we would see any relevant 
you know results to New Zealand. Obviously, there's some there's some changes going on in our broadcast situation here in New Zealand as they're getting rid of analog TV. Your old TVs will stop working, and you'll need to have free view to you know, pick up your TV signal. It, it'll be a licensed spectrum in New Zealand. That's what it will be. It won't be public, and it will. Um, my pick is it'll go to. Uh, safety services. So what about right, like a rural, like rural broad, broadband and stuff no, like that? You I don't think? think? No, I don't think they'll do the Well, that's already broadband. sort of been lock, locked down. Yeah, but this could be a solution because they're all procrastinating on that well, one. Well, no, I, I think, think they've, they've, they've found it and, it's, and they're going to be using the um, the cellular network. They'll, use, they'll use the 3G, 4G LTE stuff for doing mm. rural broadband. But I, I, at the moment, we do have some uh, data services in the 400 megahertz range in New Zealand. Uh, for trunk radios for the police are using it as well. Okay. Um, so you'll see that frequency opening up for uh, specific public safety type services, I think, more cool. than anything else. All right, well, we'll chat about that a little bit more as um, as the information comes to hand. Office 365. I've heard of this. Yes, small <laughs> product. Now, this, in, in the bits and pieces we've heard, we're expecting it to be launched in the US on the 28th of this month, which is virtually now, and the 29th in New Zealand. Uh, so information on that will uh, will be starting to starting to flow out, um, you know, publicly on that over the next few days. So definitely worth keeping a keeping a look out uh, if you if you're interested in that, um, or if you know if if you want to sign up. Uh, you will be able to sign up now. The beta program basically closing yep. down and and moving into you know released product, but you can still sign up and get a thirty day trial. Yes, yep. And I, I mean I, I've, I'm using the beta myself for personal use and just getting my head around it. And um, uh, since the weekend, quite a few extra things have started. So this this thing is this thing's well and truly productionized as far as I can say it looks great and there's stuff that I couldn't do before and I can actually do it now simple things like some reason I couldn't add additional email addresses to various things like uh, accounts but now I can so it's like little little tweaks that they've been doing it's moved moved from pre-prod to prod basically oh yeah absolutely Um, one thing I will say about this and this is an experience I've had is the um, customer service side of it um, you'd think uh, faceless organisation because it's sort of a cloud-based thing. Is it going to work? I actually had a um, quite a complex problem. <laughs> in the fact that my domain name I was using had the word bank in the middle of it, um, which they had to verify. So that actually had a bit of work behind it to get that happening. But the whole way through, the uh, Office 365 beta team, um, which I assume is now probably the production team yeah, heading into it, mm. um, they were with me the whole way. Every couple of days, look, we're working on this. We're just validating some other stuff. I'd get another email a couple of days. Yep, just letting you know, just working through some more stuff and then they'd come back with a question and that the whole time I was constantly in contact I'm just letting you know just letting you know that's um, great and in the end and this is the thing that astounded me the most they actually rang me from wherever they are a real and human this was just an a online real... an online request you had done it wasn't something where you had called in and logged it I, I logged it I logged it on an online request I got given a case manager the person constantly kept in contact and then she rang me mm. and said look just want to check that you're okay with it yep perfectly fine 
and I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that was a great experience. So, um, and I don't know if you've gone through the hassle of trying to do the same thing at Google Docs, but it's uh, just, oh, it's not as it's not as friendly yeah, as that. Yeah. yeah. So um, I know I was well impressed, and it's, this is a beta product. This was in the beta stage, so I'm expecting no one to talk to me because it's in the beta. But I actually got treated like royalty. Like it was a amazing. Full blown customer yep. that was spending lots of money. That's Absolutely. Great. That's good. That's good. Well, hopefully that sets a that sets a bit of a standard because yeah, some of us have um, tried to deal with, with with Google for support in the past, and I know it, it depends at what level that you buy into their products and so on. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've had some of those dealings where you know it's a paid product, a paid paid service, and you know, getting the runaround even in terms of the online uh, responses and so on. So yep. I think this sets a really good uh, bar for the industry in the in the cloud space and. You know, I don't know how it will settle down. Whether Microsoft will be able to continue to afford to deliver, you know, a really high level of service on on their lower end products, because when you've got a user paying, you know, six US or nine 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 New Zealand dollars a month for a service, there's there's not a lot of uh, profit margin in there to be providing a lot of customer service. No, but, that's true. Um, I guess that's something we'll see how it pans out over time. But it's great to see that they're starting on a good footing. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. great. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, thanks, Office Live. They, you guys rock. Good, good. Now, Mac OS X 10.6.8, that update is out. Yes. Uh, you've installed that, Brad? Well, I couldn't install it on my main device because I've, I'm already online. Ah, yes. But I installed it on another device. I borrowed it off someone because I wanted to see what it did. Now, for those of you that are wanting to go to Lion, you must install 10.6.8 first, first right. off to be able to even install Lion. You will not see Lion. You will not be able to download Lion. As Lion's a four gig update, you must have this update. So for those of you that are wanting to purchase it and then download it, you must do this one. I've emphasized that enough now. But the key things that come through is that there's a major enhancements to the Mac store, which gets your PC, well, the PC, wrong door, your device ready for Lion to come through. Um, it improves support for IPv6, um, VPN reliability, and it does a whole lot of little minor tweaks to certain applications. There's quite like a few ITAL. security things. Yeah, security and, updates. And these antivirus. Um, oh, yes. Uh, anti-malware uh, capabilities, right? That 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 comes through. So, which is a good thing to see. <laughs> it is. Good, it's good to finally see. Yeah. yeah. But no. The, uh, yeah. So, what uh, identifies and removes known variants of Mac Defender malware? Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> Geek Zone malware. Thank you, everyone. Uh, yes, yeah. Well, you did well. Yeah. yeah I concentrate yeah. on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also uh, <laughs> fix up. Yeah. <laughs> fix the time zone issue, which was a big thing with. Oh. So now, d- now it, it didn't fix, and I haven't heard any feedback on this about Lion, but it certainly didn't fix the, you know, the complaint that we regularly have as Mac owners about the size of the download. I know, I noticed because I did it the other day. And that update in itself, this you know, point you know this point update. Um, so I ended, that, with, yeah. I ended up with over five hundred megs worth of updates because that came down and the it's a service pack. So it's not an update; down. it's a service pack. Let's be realistic. It's, um, it's big, isn't yeah. it? It's huge. Yeah. So sorry, give me just give this right. I've got to download a five hundred meg update so I can get my four gig. Update, correct, or download, yes. right? Yeah, okay. but yeah. you got to look. Wow. Hey, look, look, look. Now, I, I was very critical of this, and I've actually sat down and had a good think. They are downloading, rightly or wrongly, a major OS. It's a brand new OS coming through for Lion. So I'm okay with the four gig size. It's just the download side of things. 
for, for me on the Lion side. The 500 meg, um, the point releases for the Apple software lately, I mean, look, they've all been around the four 500 meg, Paul. I, can't, I mean, I'm looking at 10.6.7 and all those previous, they've all been large. They haven't been small releases. No, I know. But, but I guess, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, we see other vendors, you know, Microsoft. Have, and Google. Have, and have, Google. Yep. But they are nailing how they do those updates, and they're a lot smaller than that in general yep. for other platforms. I mean, I'd call out Microsoft on their updates for Office on the Mac. They don't seem to use the smart techniques that they use on and maybe this is operating system dependent, but on Windows, they seem to be able to squeeze their updates down and you just have to download the bit that's changed, not download the whole thing again. And I did an Office update on my Mac uh, in the last in the last little while, and you know that was 300 megs as well. So it, 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 I just think that 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 you know they can do better on that. You shouldn't need to download 500 megs worth of updates when you know the list of changes isn't very big. It should just be a small update. I know up downloading this latest Service Pack, uh, well Service Pack one for Windows seven. If you're up to date with all your other updates, the service pack download itself was only 70 megs. So, you know, somewhere in that sort of range. So I, th- I think for this being a, you know, a relatively small update for uh, Snow Leopard, and it's the eighth of those sort of so-called relatively small updates, it's pretty big. If we multiply that out eight times, you know, 400 meg, we've had, you know, Three gigs worth of updates during during its life cycle. So, so my and I've said this, I've, I've harped on about this, but I just in sort of to support what you're saying. Imagine you have to reinstall your Mac. So you get your original Mac's disk out. You're going to have to go through all the incremental updates. And no, you get, don't. Because you, you can, sure? No, no, you don't. You, can, you don't so, have to do point one, point two. So point what do you three. do? So if I'm on point ten dot six, it'll just revert me straight through. Or how does it work? No, not quite. I mean, you will have to download an update, reboot, and then it'll come down with more. But it's not quite as big as that. Oh, good. And usually oh, the media goodness. you have, you know, hopefully isn't down to the. You know, it's not the original release. So of Snow you Leopard. Know, if you go instance. and go into a store and buy a Snow Leopard DVD, it's you know maybe it's ten point. Six point three or something. Oh, okay. So oh, there's still at this, you know, but there'll be a, there'll be a gig worth of updates. Okay, you know, pretty much guaranteed. And then you get another four gig if you go to line after that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's serious. So, I mean, that's yeah, the plan that, you have to do. So, so. so that's how it is. I mean, you but, just have to go in with your eyes open and know that's the case. But it is something I think Apple could uh, could do some work on, and and it would it would certainly make you know make it easier for those who have to support these things and mm. and for home users that you know don't want to wait so long for the downloads and burn up their data caps. Or if you've got multiple devices at home. If you've got two or three Macs at home, it's going to kill you. But anyway, look, you need 10.6.8 if you want Lion. Um, it's, it's actually worth the update because I think the security features alone are worth it. And I personally. think we would always recommend keep these things up. Yep. Keep your operating system updates current because it does keep you secure. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely well, well worth doing it. So you know, hopefully over time these things just get a little bit smaller. All right, off the hobby horse on that one. <laughs> uh, now, other little news in in uh, Google-related news. Um, Nevada are saying yes to driverless cars. So tell me about this, because I haven't re- researched this one, so this is all your baby. Well, what what um, what Google have been doing, and I know there are others that are that are doing this as as well. Um, but I know the Google story on it is they they've got these cars out and about that drive around and take the uh, pictures for their their street views. So when you go into Google Maps and you do a street view, those have been taken by a car that 
you know drives around and, and takes all the photos and 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 footage of the surrounding you know the streets and, and bits and pieces as it goes down the road. Now the cars that that Google have got have been modified so they're effectively they will effectively self drive so they'll follow a, a particular uh, route that's been planned out in advance, look, we need to take photos of this street and that street so it can go and drive those streets. And they have sensors and and so on uh, to be able to respond to the situation. So if a car in front of you stops, then the self-drive car is, you know, is capable of... of, you know some of those type of capabilities. Now I don't know the, all the ins and outs of what what they do just yet, but I think hey, this is cool stuff. This is really cool. I'm it sorry. is cool. And I love it. Skip shaking there, his head. There, there's some there were some videos online of of uh, someone sitting there in one of these things doing doing a course uh, that I was watching over the weekend, and this car went flat out. It was going so fast, and and maybe it just looked worse on video. But if I had been in that car and hands <laughs> off the wheel and and the brakes, and this thing was sliding around. It's Night Rider. We've got Night Rider finally. It was, it was crazy. It's great. Um, so, so anyway, so the the laws are. I mean, they're, they're, I don't think they've opened it up and and made it legal for this entirely yet. But they're basically investigating, investigating, and saying yes, we'll investigate it. And there'll, there'll have to be some rules around how it operates. But <laughs> I'm just sitting there watching, thinking, yeah, this the first state that's going to let this puppy fly is going to have Google cars driving down the streets at 200 miles per hour, just trying to capture as much data really quickly. Before they get carjacked and stolen. <laughs> well, partly that, but also, who's going to give the t- who are they going to give the ticket to? Yeah. There's no driver. It's like, uh, okay, computer 45321 IP address, play, here's your ticket. Cool. <laughs> that sounds good. If I don't have to get the ticket, I can just say, well, yeah, the car chose to drive that fast. I wasn't really fault. in a hurry, uh, Mr. Policeman. Yeah, I was sitting there uh, in the driver's seat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, it does sound interesting. And, yeah, I, I'm certainly keen to see, you know, how that technology advances. I mean, there have been a lot of these competitions in the States. Yep. Um, I'm not, you know, run by various universities and, and research sort of uh, foundations and you know where they, where they have these cars okay you've got to drive from here to here whether it's through the desert and other things and they've got to be able to get there on their own uh, so it's, it's cool to see this stuff advancing it is kind of all that you know science it does sound very science fictiony uh, but yeah reality is a lot of that technology is already in place it's cool I could just see it. I mean, the car wouldn't work in Auckland because it would get to parts of Auckland and Google Maps wouldn't know what it's doing it's a stop. Or to get slightly out of GPS coverage because there's you know too We're on many an angle. buildings uh, and or that's trees. It. I mean the or... technology, the technology in the states will probably work quite well because they got all sorts of stuff there. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Might be a good way to be able to get your um, uh, get your kids off to sleep at night. Send them off. <laughs> Oh, we won't go there. We'll send have a no, send the car for a drive around the block and you can carry on sleeping. Yeah, Where's our son? Oh, I've just been around the block. <laughs> the, 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 ro- the robot took the baby out to the car I'll check and latitude. put the baby in the uh, back seat. And, uh, yeah, on my iPad I can see that, uh, oh, look, yeah, this is where they've ended up. <laughs> Augmented and, uh, reality as you drive along. Oh, dear. All right, let's move on to the next topic. We're going to have rap. All right, what's next, guys? Um, now, some a hacking group has disbanded. Skip, you were showing me this earlier on, and I'm not going to even try and pronounce the name because I get it wrong every last. But this, I think you should. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you pronounce it, oh, Brad? Oh man, we're here we laugh. Go. 
Lul, I'm not going to try. Lul sec? Not quite. Lul sec. Lul sec. Now you were showing me this website where these are the, these guys have hacked Sony and and hundreds of other places, and yep. the data's online. And I went, no, it's not. And you went and showed me the entire database, the MySQL database for. Um, what was the on reality show? It was the X Factor one. X Factor yep. one, and it's online and it's it's an HTTP it's publicly accessible. And it it's yeah. just yep. yeah. scary. So, do you want to tell us what they were doing? Okay, so Lulzik doing it for the lulz or the lols? The lols. Yep. So, um, I mean, they they had no mandate other than just having a having a laugh, um, and they went on a hacking rampage. Their website's great, by the way. It's got the Love Boat uh, music in the background, but. Um, so these guys have been on a rampage for the last month and a half, two months, I think. Um, they've been, yeah, they've been a lot and, in the media, and, and one of their supposed members of their team got arrested. Yeah, and it's just so all gone a bit crazy. There's a few right? things that have happened in the last week, but they've decided you know, that we're finished. We've uh, released our latest, our last block of data. It includes uh, information from uh, FBI, um, AOL databases, uh, oh, the list just goes on. It's insane. The um, What they have done in the past is actually um, pwned, and I do mean pwned in the total sense, they have owned PBS.org, the entire site, and they released every bit of user information about their site. I mean, if I was a PBS... Is this org. the public broadcaster? Yeah, this is the American the, the uh, public yeah. broadcaster. Like our TVNZ sort of thing. Yeah. Sort of. But sort a, of, a yeah, little but bit. they're very much um, public-based rather than sort of commercial-based. Yeah. Um, and so they totally owned that site. Um, they have owned all sorts of stuff. I mean, it is scary how much stuff they have covered in the short time they've been operating. I mean, if they kept going, it would just... They They've would probably be... been operating for a long time in other forms, right? I mean, if they're saying they're, they're going, it's not that all of the guys involved have suddenly decided, oh, look, yeah, we were wrong and this is bad and, and so on. Yeah, probably if these guys are into that stuff, they're going to keep doing it, but they'll either not, you know, publish it or they'll they'll come up, they'll bounce up in another name at some other point in the future. Oh, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll there's going to be some changes. I, but... I think that... Um... What it looks like, it just seems so surreal that a com- a, an organisation like that can own so much of the internet so quickly and so rapidly. It's almost like there's a group of hacker friends that have got together, they have built their toolkit up over time and discovered vulnerabilities, and then they've just decided for an entire couple of months we are just going to go through and prove things. Now, I'm hoping that is the case because the alternative is we really suck at securing websites because they have owned some of some of the world's biggest websites. And that is a scary thought. I mean, it just probably means that we all need to think about how we're doing our security. But uh, no, they have, they have called it quits. And uh, apparently another hacker group, I believe, has released uh, a load of personal information about the members, except for two of them. Um, so I'd imagine the police will be trying to catch up with all these Ouch. guys and have a chat. Oh, well, it, um, it, you know... It, it highlights that, you know, just because you do it on, you know, you you break into something online, it's it's not necessarily uh, any worse than going in and and uh, you know walking in someone's front door because they left the door open and, yep. and and so on. I mean, I think there, there's there is a good side to some of this hacking, uh, but that's probably not a debate that we want to get into tonight. And no. and um, you know, but certainly there are there the you know the way the laws sit. It, you know, it's it's not something you can get away with just wandering through people's sites uh, necessarily. Now, there is one thing I, I should mention about this. If you go to gizmodo.com, they have a tool on their site that goes and searches 
all the LulzSec records that they have released and lets you know if your email address is actually listed and part of that. So it's quite a useful that's tool. That's a great tool. So um, worth going to have a look and maybe we'll try and link that directly from the show notes as well. That's, that's interesting. All right. Well, we have promised to link stuff in the past and then haven't and we've been told off for that. So only if someone can make a little note about that, that that's going in the notes, then uh, then it might actually make it this week. So. The only downside is that uh, it doesn't work for Internet Explorer 9. Oh, oh that's crazy. Why that All right. All right, let's move on. Cool. So, so those were those were our little short news uh, updates. Actually took up the actually took up the whole show. So we've got no time for anything else. Uh, we've got, uh, no, we've got, got plenty of time. No, just kidding. We'll we'll squeeze in some other bits and pieces. Now, one thing we 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 uh, we wanted to say is is just a big thanks to everyone in our audience who's been listening in and supporting us. Yeah, huge thank you. Uh, it's really really appreciated. We've got you know guys all over the country that have been sort of spreading the word, telling their 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 friends who might not be you know. Know, total geeks but are interested in gadgets and, and techie stuff or you know home cinema all the various topics that that we cover in some form and uh, yeah you know thanks very much to everyone for uh, you know for be, being part of sort of building up the the show and helping us get known out there yeah well look, we've it's gone around the globe as well when we've had Guardian UK and University of California and you know I, I had a guy tonight sort of chasing me up a guy called Nathan Weber I just want to do a big shout out to him he's you know he, he's not a technology person and, and he was been spreading our word, and it's just been really great to have the support from everyone. So we've got a little announcement. Can we do that now? Yeah, go on, go on, Paul. Let's go do on, the Paul. announcement. All right. So as as part of that, thank you. Um, the guys have managed to prize out of my hands the. He um, <laughs> didn't lose it or break it. Um, the LG Optimus Two X. The funky little uh, dual core Android handset uh, from Two Degrees. This this was a cool handset. Awesome handset. Um, it's it's worth a thousand bucks. Yep. And yeah, they've uh, they've overruled me and and basically decided that this that this needs to be given away. We need to share uh, the love to to a member of the audience. So so that's what we're planning to do. Um, now we've we've made it pretty easy to enter, and in fact, a lot of you guys out there will already um, actually qualify. So I'll run through the three steps to enter our our little competition. Number one is we're asking that you subscribe uh, to the podcast through iTunes or whatever tool that you use, um, Zoom, etc. Number two, um, that you give us a like on our Facebook page. And what's the URL for the Facebook page? So that's facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. So and and thanks also you know to many of you who already liked that I think we're up to about 500 followers on there already so um, thanks to those listeners that that have already done that uh, and then the the last thing we're we're asking is that you can just put a comment up. Somewhere um, highlighting what you what you enjoy about the podcast. So whether that's something you drop up on Facebook, whether you do it on Twitter, um, you know, whether it's an email that you send out to you know one or two of your friends. Um, look, we don't mind how you do it, but um, that's we're just we're just asking. And as I say, some of you have already done all of these things anyway. Um, and so to enter the competition, you just need to email in to competitions at nztechpodcast.com and just include a screenshot of of those um, 
of that last uh, of that last one. You know, as far you know. So if you like us on your Facebook page, subscribe, and then put up a message somewhere, Twitter, Facebook, or an email out to some friends saying what you like about the NZ Tech Podcast. Be nice. Um, then hey, you'll you'll be in the draw. Now, um, from we were just chatting about this before. Uh, from my experience on these things, um, even though there might be a lot of you listening, there'll probably only be a few of you that actually get round to doing this. So yes. your odds um, are good. So I'd say your odds your odds are pretty good. You know, I'll be pleased if uh, you know um, you know if, if if we get a if we get more than a you know a dozen or or two. Um, hey, if a whole lot more of you do it, that's cool. But yeah, I would say your odds are, your odds are probably pretty reasonable. Because, and it's a thousand dollar phone. And it's a beautiful um, yeah, phone. Most of the most of the audience doesn't usually tend to get round to entering. Uh, I mean, we haven't actually done a competition for some time, so maybe we'll be uh, we'll be pleasantly uh, we'll be pleasantly surprised. But uh, and a huge thanks to yeah. Two Degrees as well. They've been a great supporter and um, done a lot of help getting the show going and then socialising it. So I just want to say a huge call out to those guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for prov- and for providing yeah. um, you know such a such a sweet uh, prize. So yeah. Uh, yeah, am I allowed to enter, guys? No, you're not. Go away. Uh, You've got okay. enough advice. I've got some other aliases I could. Yeah, yeah. Sort of enter no, under. you cannot. Yeah, I'll be filtering it. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, and again, thanks to Nathan. Appreciate it, man. We really do for spreading the word. Yep, and uh, and 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 all the others. Uh, one of our other supporters, uh, Jonathan Hager, down in uh, Hamilton. A bit of a shout out. He was uh, one of our. One, he's been one of our great supporters as well. Uh, and there's a bunch more of you. We, we've did some shout outs over the weekend on Twitter. Um, but yeah, thanks again, guys. Um, and keep feeding back. Let us know what you enjoy about the show. What are the things that uh, you want us to sort of build into the format? Um, what words I can muck up and what what devices <laughs> Paul can break? That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Now on to on to other news. Firefox five that's just come out. Yeah, that's quite a controversial, uh, been quite controversial in, in some of the stuff in the last few days because we had Firefox four. That came out what three months ago? Yes, maybe. A little and more. we're now up to Firefox five. The the bit the, the bit of controversy that I saw online over the weekend around that was that Mozilla that uh, the Mozilla Foundation that oh, that that, yes. that launch um, and release Firefox and 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 some of their their other products uh, have said that they're not going to be supporting. The old versions, and it's not enterprise ready. There was an enterprise ready sort of slant that the IE guys have jumped on board. Yeah, so so what they're saying is, look, Firefox four, which is three months old, that is no longer a current version, so will not be supported with security (laughs) updates and and, and patches. Ridiculous. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, there there are potentially some some challenges with that because not everyone you know will want to or will will want to deal with the challenges of being on a brand new. Uh, browser, so you know they might want to stick around on it for a while. Bigger businesses, that's a real challenge because they they set a standard and they'll run across, um, you know, they'll they'll run that version across their business. And the bit that that brought out this controversy was some online posts over the weekend, and there was one organisation that had spent the last six months planning uh, for their organisation. This is a really really big organisation and the hundreds of thousands of users uh, globally. And they've spent the last six months planning a transition from Firefox uh, three or three, you know, three point five, three point six to Firefox four, and then they've been told actually Firefox four is no longer supported. And they've spent six months doing that transition, that that planning. So they've just wasted 
you know, magnitudes of thousands of dollars in terms of testing and, and research and planning uh, to be told that, hey, this isn't supported any longer. So there's a bit of an uproar there, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, from a, from businesses and large organisations. The interesting thing that's come back from the guys at Mozilla, and my my take on this is that they're going to reverse what they've said, <laughs> uh, but we will see. You think? <laughs> they, they've... They've basically said, look, we're actually not interested in in the business users. And they said, hey, you're 500 or however many, you know, 100,000 uh, uh, staff is a drop in the bucket for the mega millions of users that uh, that Firefox has. So I thought that was a really interesting take. It came across sort of quite arrogant. Uh, and, yeah, I don't think... A, a, a good look. So it'll be interesting to see whether they change that view over the next week or two or whether it just sort of, you know, dies away. But I th- I, I think it's it just doesn't it just doesn't look that good. Yes, they're the, the second biggest browser um, you know, um and vendor, growing vendor in the world. Uh you know, well that they're 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 in sort of market share it hasn't that they've actually they peaked and gone down a little bit, but they're they're pretty close to their peak, and they've got the potential to continue yeah. growing uh, again quickly, quite easily. But yeah, I, I just think it's not a good look. So yeah, but it's free, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, it's free. Yeah, but so is IE, so is Opera. Yeah, na- na- name a browser, but browser you powerful. That. Yeah, but IE in saying that is part of Windows, the Windows desktop, isn't it? So I mean, well, it's, it's no. part of that. I mean, you you're generally going to be buying a Windows desktop license for running IE, aren't you? Yes. So, yes. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think. No, I mean, so it's a, a, it's a good, that. that's a good call, cool Skip. Yeah. But the, the thing is that um, it's a bit, so it's it's the, a bit it's hard. It's the you get what you pay for sort of, sort exactly, of deal, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're yeah. going to put your eggs into an open source product and the next day it turns around and says, you know what, forget it, we're not going to support it, I can kind of see that because they're not getting a lot of reward out of what they're doing. Yeah. Maybe what Mozilla might do is, hey, guess what? We'll support four. But it's going to cost you. Yeah. Fair yeah. 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 Okay. So. All right. I'll and, and I guess yeah. We, if if they want to target the the home users, and if and they, I'm sure they've looked at their user base and they've said, well, most of our users are are home, you know, users, or it's eighty uh, percent. That's where they get the return from. Um, you know, that that's fine too. But yeah, I, I I guess yeah, looking at it from that business perspective, and 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 most businesses tend to run what comes with the machine. So if they're running a Mac, in a lot of cases. Uh, they'll run Safari, although more and more because of issues yeah. with Safari. Firefox has gained gained a, a lot of uh, market share on on the Mac, and you know, in fact, you know, within uh, within my business, you know, we support a lot of Mac users as, as well as Windows users. Yep. And Firefox does does actually, you know, that's that's one of the cases where uh, you know Firefox tends to get used because it, it just seems to you know. Uh, give more consistent results in a lot of cases in Safari. So, uh, right. yeah. But, you know, on the Windows platform, it, it tends to be, you know, you run the Microsoft standard because it's what, uh, yeah. you know, more than half the world runs and uh, it becomes a lot easier to maintain and support. We could argue this one all night. Let's we move could. on. We could. Fair enough. I disagree. So, you know. Um, right. Now, news on handsets. There's uh, some interesting bits and pieces coming through around software. Uh, Google and Oracle are having a little bit of a a, um, a legal battle at the moment. They're suing each other. <laughs> so who started it? Who's suing who? What's happening? Is it this is 
Oracle aren't happy with the way um, Google have, have integrated um, Java into Android. Yep. Is that right? Bang on. Basically, what it is, yeah, Oracle is suing Google over the Android operating system and the implementation or usage of particular elements of Java in Android devices. It's becoming real petty, real petty. Okay, uh, and I, I mean, I guess if if yeah, if Google are using uh, Oracle's yeah intellectual property and so on and aren't doing it in the right manner, I guess that's their that's Oracle's right to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's tricky though because it's, I mean the, yeah. the ballpark's changed for uh, for Google. I mean, when they first started doing it, it was all part of Sun Microsystems, and now Oracle's brought out that Sun Microsystem stuff. It's kind of like, man, how do you keep up? And was was Java open source? It can someone? Was, can someone? Was, yes, it was. You could get open source Java. So, so you know, and this but is the, the right still remained with Sun Microsystems. Okay, I guess right, yeah. Sun didn't really enforce too much because they were, I guess, quite altruistic in the, about the approach to things. Hmm. They brought MySQL into that farm, and so everyone was like, yeah, that's comfortable. We're happy with that. Then Oracle brought everything. It's like, oh no, is it all going to wind up? And it does appear that it's all going to wind up. Yeah, look, it, yeah, it just seems that I think there's a good map out there of who's suing who at the moment. Oh, but it's it a just, great spreadsheet. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And it's growing daily. Yeah, <laughs> hourly at the rate. But, yeah, anyway, so there's that. that's going on at the moment. I just, yeah. Good. All right, now, last in the last week, we've seen some interesting handsets from Nokia. Oh, yeah, the N9 with Mego. The Mego operating system. This is the uh, Linux-based operating system that Nokia and Intel sort of had partnered up on. There's some yep. other players in this space, which effectively we understood that uh, Nokia or Nokia, depending on uh, which uh, pronunciation you prefer to choose, um, were, were, were dumping it. We're dumping this new operating system well, they, because yeah. they're going to Windows Phone. Yeah. But now they've come out and actually launched launched a phone with the operating system. And from what I what I'm hearing, it actually looks like a pretty cool operating it's amazing. system. Amazing. I mean, what's it's going What's really... going on here? Look, I mean, I th- I think that they were committed to releasing a device or an operating system. I think for the for those of you listening right now, um, if you want to go online and do a search for Stephen Elop who is the head of Nokia, um, then you'll also see the same N9 device and he'll be showing a Windows 7 on it. Windows Phone 7. So Windows Phone 7. So The Mango version. The Mango right? version. So this is what... So we're expecting Nokia to come out with Windows Phone 7 one to four devices before the end of the year, somewhere we're guessing in that range. Yeah, guessing. Um... Hopefully, uh, we don't know whether there'll be any in New Zealand in that sort of time frame. Again, you know, we 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 don't know until announcements are made. What we've seen is effectively this N9 hardware with Windows Phone. Yeah. So if you this- watch the video, they they show you the N9 with Mego on it, and then they say all the learnings we've taken from Mego and the N9 design of the hardware, and they put and Stephen Elop pulls out of his pocket and shows and says. Do not record this, and all this, and it's professionally recorded. This leak. It looks anyway. Like it, it's an it? Apple one, um, but they've basically shown the same hardware running Windows Phone Seven. My, my guess is is that they've taken the learnings from the hardware and the way to implement the OS and put that onto Windows Phone Seven. But Mego, and I mean Skip and I spoke about this a few weeks ago. It is really, really nice, and I'm. It's a shame to see it go. I hope they release it to the open source community. But you know what this is? This is actually not Nokia saying we're going to release two operating systems. This is Nokia saying our handsets can do anything. 
Yeah, that's a good point. This is the N9 handset, which will run Windows Phone 7. Oh, by the way, if you want to, you can run Mego as well. This is like HP's WebOS. This is like HP turning around saying, we'll load WebOS and Windows on our platforms. So Nokia have come to the table and said, look at this piece of kit. It is amazing. And the N9, personally, I think, is one of the most amazing touchscreen phones I have seen this year. It looks really solid and robust. It's solid, robust. really cool. It's great camera. Beautiful. The form factor is amazing. And the camera is phenomenal. So, I mean, that, that I, I'm looking at this N9 thinking, I want one of these. And it's great because they're actually becoming uh, software agnostic in their technology. So it's great. I, I think uh, well done, Nokia. But very confusing press conference, especially when you told everyone to turn off the cameras except for the professional camera guys. <laughs> this is and so the, funny. And the vision mixer. Yeah. The guy that was cutting to the, uh, the screenshot of the phone. It's kind of like... Mm, so how did yeah. they do that? Unless someone plugged something into a desk, but you know that was doing any any video footage for the event. But you'd imagine they'd capture that. It's, yeah, it, it does does seem very. But uh, watch the video. Contrived. It's worth watching. It's very good video. Yeah, 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 it's cool. And there's a lot of it. The whole video runs for it's about twenty twenty one minutes. Twenty seven minutes. But yeah, look, so, I mean, yeah, me goes up for the first six or seven, so you get a good look at the operating system. Yep. Cool. Now, one last announcement before we finish up. Uh, something that uh, we we've been. Um, Hoping would uh, would come together uh, a, a special event for the NZ Tech podcast. Yes. So we are going to be flying to LA, baby, and we're going to be doing the NZ Tech podcast show live from in LA on July. I'm just trying to think of the dates now. July the 12th, I think it It'll is. Be episode, we'll be doing episode 19 of the NZ yep. Tech podcast. We'll be, yeah, we'll be coming from LA. Now, so we'll sorry, be talking yeah. about all the all the happenings uh, over there, but there's a particular event uh, that that we're there for. Yeah, so we're going to be covering uh, World Partner Conference. Uh, happening in Los Angeles? Yes. And this, this is an event that happens each year. It has all the big guns from Microsoft, uh, the Steve Barmers and, and Stephen Sinoski-like uh, type guys, the, the big players. Uh, and so we'll be reporting from that. But we, as well as doing the, the normal NZ Tech podcast from LA, uh, we are doing some special episodes aimed at uh, those involved in the technology industry and particularly those who are who are uh, you know resellers and and technology consultants uh, in that particular space? So the Microsoft partners and so on. Uh, we will be doing shows. We will cover all of those uh, happenings in the conference for that audience. So yep. we'll have four special editions of the NZ Tech Podcast uh, coming out uh, during that week. And we're also doing a bit of a pre-walk uh, around. Paul and I are going to try and go to the Apple Store, the Microsoft Store, Fry's, and a few of the big other electronic areas so we can give you a bit of a vibe of what's going on over there and hopefully get our hands on some of the new technology. So we'll hopefully be doing some recordings and bits and pieces that we'll be able to bring you live So what's been happening in, in the stores and outside LA yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll be looking at the new uh, HP... Um, Webos um, devices, which are due in the market, I think, in the States, uh, I think at the end of this week, sort of maybe yeah. Friday, 1st of, uh, of July. So uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we'll, uh, we'll hopefully get our hands on. Uh, 
I'm sure by then uh, there will be an opportunity for us to uh, get hands on the all the you know Windows Phone Mango stuff if we if we haven't managed to get anything any earlier. Um, so there's there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to come up on this trip. So yeah, hopefully Surface Two as well. I won't have to play with that thing because mm. that looks really cool. But yeah, so that that's going to be big for us. Um, and we'll take you along for the journey and, and hopefully enjoy what's going on over there. Yeah. So yep. um, and uh, duty free orders can be placed. Too. <laughs> yeah, no, so we're looking forward to that one. It's going to be good. And doing the show live from LA is going to be cool because Paul and I are bunking in a room together, so we're going to be setting up a little mini studio. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we'll have a little studio doing all our recording there. And uh, yeah, so, um, and, and we appreciate uh, Microsoft. Uh, organising this for us. Yeah, so, Brent uh, Colbert from Microsoft helped us out yeah, with this one, yeah, so it's been so, really good. So we really appreciate that, and I know that a lot of the other media in New Zealand get you know, uh, flown off around the world to, to various conferences and uh, and and so on, and it's uh, it's very nice to be um, you know, considered important enough to be, uh, to be included in that. So, uh, so that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, look out uh, if that's uh, if that's your thing. If you're you know involved in the um, uh, that partner community, then definitely look out for those episodes. But for all of our listeners, um, there'll be that uh, that sh- live show coming from LA as well. Cool. So, uh, We're getting told to wrap to. up here. All right. Skip's going on our back. Well, thanks very much for tuning in. This has been the NZ Tech Podcast. Be sure to come by nztechpodcast.com to find out the details of the, the competition. If uh, if you've forgotten them, we'll, we'll put all the details up there. Uh, email address for uh, that email address again is competitions at nztechpodcast.com uh, and uh, again the Facebook was facebook.com slash nztechpodcast and of course we're at nztechpodcast on Twitter. Cool guys, have a nice so evening. That's us. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. 